Hello and welcome back to Jake's World, episode 4 of Jake's World, presented to you by absolutely fucking nobody. I'm your host, Jake Sawinski, and today is April 23rd. 2020 and tonight is the NFL draft. Now I'm recording this before the draft simply so we don't get bogged down in too much of the sports world. I mean it's kind of a big week for sports with the docuseries coming out and I'll be covering that next week the next two episodes of that and Rob Gronkowski kind of broke headlines with getting traded uh, yesterday or the day before whatever it was. And I don't want to spend every episode just talking about sports. I mean, I like sports. A lot of people like sports. Love sports. I love sports. But I want to give this show a little bit of variety as well. And I don't want to constantly be talking about, you know, sports, 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 sports. Because you kind of alienate your audience in a way. And that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to keep it well-rounded. So... I'm going to push off the draft stuff to include in next week's episode, even though it will be happening in a couple of hours. That being said, however, I would be foolish not to talk about it for a little bit, just because by next week you'll have heard so much about it, you won't even want me to talk about it. So, um, Rob Gronkowski was traded to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for a fourth round pick. And the, Buc- and the Patriots also gave away a 7th round pick. So Gronk had a 7th round pick to the Buccaneers for a 4th round pick. However, what makes this really significant is obviously Gronk is playing with his former quarterback, Tom Brady, in Tampa Bay under a new coach. Gronk had one year left on his contract for $9 million when he retired. And a lot of you might be thinking, why would Bill Belichick make a trade like that I mean trade him away I mean thing you have to consider is Rob Gronkowski wasn't even playing anymore he retired I mean he's still technically under contract so the Patriots have the rights to him and why not get rid of that cap hit and pull off your Belichick magic right I mean, the guy's not playing for you anyways. You're paying him still. See what happens. Now, this take might get misconstrued a little bit. But I still think in the long run, the Patriots are going to win this whole thing. Between, you know, Brady's fallout and leaving. And Belichick and and Brady, both of them really starting a new chapter of their careers... And Gronk, you know, leaving New England and traded to Tampa Bay. By no means am I saying that Tampa Bay is not going to be good this year. Now, I'm a critic of Tom Brady. I've watched the guy play football for all of my life. I mean, he came into the league when I was young enough to remember who Tom Brady was, I mean, coming out of Michigan, a six-round pick. He has never been the most athletic guy in the field. I mean, he can't even walk. I mean, you ask the guy to, you know, do a quarterback, any type of play with quarterback athleticism, 
half the time he trips over his own feet. He's been a career elite pocket passer, and within you know the last two, three, four, five years, the elite part hasn't been there anymore. I'm a firm believer, not so much in the beginning. I mean, you know, when Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez and a plethora of other receivers were winning Super Bowls early in his career, he was really, really, really good. But, I mean, age has deteriorated him to a point where I think he's a system QB now. He has any bit of success, not because of him, but because of his team. I'm a firm believer in that. Yeah, he might have thrown 500 yards in the Super Bowl two, three years ago. Three years ago. But I I just, I'm going to stand by that take. I'm going to die by that take. He's a system QB now. It might not have been the case six years ago before that, but now it is. And I think Belichick is going to come out the winner in this whole thing. Bill Belichick is the best head football coach of all time. No debate. He has an eye for talent and an eye for schemes. And all the scandals and all the cheating stuff aside, it's nonsense. He's the best coach to ever be on an NFL sideline, in an NFL locker room. It's just not close. He's taken teams with mediocre talent, and he makes winners out of them. Gronk's been there for a long time. Gronk is the best tight end in NFL history, if you ask me. I don't care about Tony Gonzalez or Antonio Gates or any other name you can throw out there. Gronk is pound for pound the most physically unguardable, most athletic player to ever play tight end. It's just a fact. I don't care about stats. I don't care about longevity. It doesn't matter. I've taken Gronk over any tight end to ever strap up the cleats. But back to my original point, Bill Belichick has the rare ability to make winners out of nobodies. And he's been doing it for the last few trips the Patriots have gone to the Super Bowl. They haven't been a great team. They haven't played great the entire season, and their star players have either been hurt or have not played great the entire season. Tom Brady's at the end of the line, and I think this is going this is going to be the season that it shows that Bill Belichick was a big part of Brady's success and not vice versa. That's my take. If you don't like it, sorry. Tampa Bay's a loaded team. They're loaded on the offensive side of the football. If Brady can hit his receivers, okay. But, I mean, Bruce Arians is no Bill Belichick, and we'll see come January. When I do planning for the show, I try to do it in threes, right? I try to think of three different talking points I could have, right? So, I was doing, you know, a little bit of research, looking on the internet, scrolling through Twitter, whatever, whatever, whatever. And yesterday, I see a headline that says, Kim Jong-un 
disappears from public spotlight. And this is a grave matter. I shouldn't make any jokes about it. But I'm thinking, oh my God, it would be really funny if I was like, did the podcast, did the recording, did all the editing, and titled it, Kim Jong-un doesn't pee or poo. Fuck you, Dave Skylark. Interview, all that stuff. But I was doing some more reading, and that's really insensitive, by the way, given, you know, if it is coronavirus, if it's something else, we'll never know until it's officially released by the state of North Korea. But I'm doing some thinking, some more research, more reading, and... What actually is going on over there? Unless you've lived under a rock the last, you know, your entire life up until, or before the 1950s, North Korea is a very, very dictatorship-style country. Like one of the stiffest in the world, right? If you've seen the interview, which is a parody of North Korean life, I mean, there's no journalist going over there to meet the premier of North Korea and do interviews and like Katy Perry songs and play basketball. But it's a ruthless place over there. There are fake food stands for, you know, media and satellite cameras to pick up. Their people are starving. It's a bad place over there. But... Think about what would happen if Kim Jong-un actually died. It's no um, secret that the United States and China and Russia and Japan and all the regional players in Southeast Asia do not really like Kim Jong-un's antics. In fact, nobody does. It's not a laughing matter when you threaten to use nuclear weapons to advance your will or your agenda. No, Everyone takes that seriously and nobody thinks that's a laughing matter. But think about the ramifications if that guy was gone, right? Who would be leader? Who would be the new leader? I don't know if Kim has kids. He probably does, but he's only 36, It's very feasible that he doesn't. The Chinese have been influential in Korean politics for thousands of years. Would China make a move? Would Russia make a move? The United States would have to monitor that seriously. I'm not suggesting anything. Or I'm not casting my opinion or making any suggestions or illusions. It's just some food for thought. And do some reading of your own. Look into Kim Jong-un. See what's really going on. And now the segment that I have been really, really, really excited to do for a long time. Ever since I conceived this podcast and have been thinking of content pieces to talk about, I've always wanted to include Seinfeld. Friends, growing up, was my favorite sitcom. My mom loved it. It was on TV all the time. It's relatable. 
It's intricate. It's, like I said, always on TV. Immensely popular. But I never had access to Seinfeld. And it was on Hulu. And I started it. And as soon as I finished it, I was like, oh my God, Jerry Seinfeld and Larry David, where have you been all my life? I thought immediately, this is the best sitcom, not TV show, sitcom that I've ever seen in my entire life. And who wouldn't want to be Jerry? He's got a gravy job. He's a comedian. He dates hot women. His life is hilarious. He's got a neighbor named Cosmo Kramer. His best friend's name is George Costanza. We'll get more into that. The whole premise of the show is ridiculous yet brilliant. And it is literally about nothing. And I want my life to be about nothing. I could imagine myself in my head writing a TV show about my day-to-day life, except I could not imagine how successful it would be, even though I dream of that every day. Now, this segment isn't about Jerry and his extracurriculars and his dating habits or Kramer and his schemes and his giddy-up. None of that. I am George. I have evaluated my life over the last year and while watching Seinfeld and watching every episode from start to finish, season one, episode one, all the way through season nine, episode 22, 23, whatever, it doesn't matter. I'm George. I'm 100% George. That's right. You want me to say it again? I'll say it again. I haven't had a pimple since I was 18 and I don't care if you believe me or not. And how's this? You're fired. Okay, you're not. I'm just a little hungry. I'm sorry. This Costanza, where's my calzone? It's 1.15. He's late. Wait a second. I got to call you back. Oh, that smell. I know that smell. That's it's in the building. Costanza is in the building. And he's not in this office. He's got the calzone. Costanza. I got to. I'm telling you, Costanza. And I'm going to tell you why. Now, your first instinct might be, Jake, you're not George. You're not short. You're not bald. You're kind of stocky, but not George Costanza stocky. You do wear glasses, but not the same kind of glasses. You only wear boat shoes. George doesn't wear boat shoes. You don't live in New York City. Yes, all of those things may be true. I am much thinner than George, and I have a full head of hair. Too much hair, thanks to recent quarantine. And yes, I do live a very different lifestyle than George. But, 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 I will explain how I am George Costanza. Of several reasons, these two are the most important reasons why we are the same. His overall pessimistic attitude and our belief, our conviction, 
that the universe hates us. I try my best to be optimistic. I really do. But sometimes it's really, really hard. People are stupid. People do stupid things. People are selfish. People do selfish things. People are only worried about them. Sometimes it's hard to be optimistic in this world. Sometimes when I need to see the glass half full, it's all the way fucking empty. That's something I need to work on, but George is the same way. George is a negative ball of cosmic energy, and I love it. That's me. I am. I don't see myself as pessimistic or negative. Oh, you're a negative Nelly. Lighten up a little. No, I'm realistic. And you know who else is realistic? George Costanza. I have a theory about my life. Not George. This is not George. This is just me. He probably has this theory too because we're one of the same. But this is my theory. Anything in the universe or in my life that is not significant and can go wrong will. Anything that is not important to my health, my security, my life will be difficult. Oh, you need to type a paper for class that you had three years ago and you decide to blow off the paper until, you know, two hours before the class because you can. Your computer won't freeze up or won't work. Excuse me. Oh, you completed said paper without a problem this time and you got to go print it off. Use email, professor, idiot. But you gotta go print it off. Oh, this is the time where there's 900 million people in your computer lab or your school's library and the printer's out of paper and your swipe doesn't work and your car broke down on the way there even though it's just like, uh, I don't know, you need to put gas in it, something stupid. Anything stupid that can happen in your life to make it more difficult will happen. And George Costanza is the perfect example of that. Oh, George wants to get a job? Well, when the company calls, instead of, you know, having Jerry pick up the phone and lie about his resume and his references, Kramer will pick up the phone and talk about anything besides what George wanted him to talk about. Seinfeld's a comedy, but people don't realize how dark the show actually is. Like, think about it. George wants to not marry his fiance. Seventh season, eighth season, end of the seventh season. He doesn't want to marry Susan. He's getting cold feet about it. Now this is George. You know the universe. This negativity. Some might call. Some might call karma. I just call it the universe hates me. Instead of just telling Susan. I don't want to do this. He tries to convince himself that he wants to do it. Something I would do. And then he picks out the wedding cards, the cheapest ones in the store, mind you. And the glue ends up killing Susan on accident. And then he doesn't have to get married. The universe just has a way for George and I.
It really does. George holds grudges and loves revenge. There is nothing on this earth sweeter than revenge or I told you so or just getting back at someone who wronged you. There's nothing sweeter than <laughs> I told you so. Really isn't. It's just satisfaction and their humiliation just oh, it makes you feel alive. George goes or recommends to Jerry about a revenge date. This is a beautiful concept. Beautiful concept. Think about taking all the time in the world out of your day or out of your life, out of your schedule just to facilitate a way to inconvenience someone else or humiliate them so badly that it makes you feel good inside. That might be shallow and superficial and a complete waste of time and something that you should not even contemplate in your mind. But I'm 100% for that. That's brilliant. And it is 100% worth my time. Now, as for myself, I don't think I could ever see myself going on a revenge date in any way, shape, or form. I feel like I would just take it over the top and go absolutely ballistic, nuclear, guns of the Navarone. But the idea is really nice. And if I could control my temper... It's my Sicilian in me. If I can control my temper, I would 100% go for it. That's not a waste of time to me. It's 100% worth all of the time to make you feel as shitty as I felt or I want you to feel. God, I sound like a complete fucking asshole, but it's totally true. And I never forget. I never, ever, ever, ever forget. I wish I could... I wish I was like one of those people that could, you know, just go to bed and wake up and nothing ever happened. It's like living your life in a complete blackout without the hangover the next month. That would be incredible. Like, oh, this person wronged me for, you know, crossing the street while I was trying to drive my car down the road. And I wanted to run the stop sign, but there's a pedestrian crosswalk. And I was like, they were like, hey, I'm walking here. And I'm like, get out of my way. I'm trying to go to work or something. Something as little as that to God knows what else could happen. But, man, I would just love it if I could just... Some people are really good at that. Like, they just let it go. It's like, I don't care anymore. I don't care. It's like, I can't do that. I get angry, upset. Oh, man, it's just I never forget anything. And I wish I could. I wish I just had that. <laughs> it's a funny story. Our old base, My old baseball coach had a little toilet in his office that like whenever or he'd carry it to the dugout, leave it in his bag, and then before every game, he would set the toilet on top of the the helmet cubby or the individual cubbies for where each player puts their helmet, their batting glove, their glove, whatever. And if you had a bad at-bat or a bad inning and you were really flush, frustrated or flustered about it you're supposed to come back into the dugout and hit this little button on top of the toilet and it would make a <laughs> toilet sound and that was it 
And I was like, Al, that has got to be the dumbest fucking thing I've ever heard of. I'm thinking about that bad inning for a month. Not 30 seconds. And no buttons are going to make me forget it. This one isn't so much for me because, you know, it's a TV show and you have a little more creativity that you can go with. I just think these things out in my head. George is brilliant with the schemes. Kramer is too. The Kramers are usually just dumb and you make a quick buck. George has the most thought out processes for everything. There's an episode of Seinfeld where George is in a predicament. He's engaged to Susan and he has the opportunity to meet Marissa Torme. She's the actress who starred in My Cousin Mi- My Cousin Vinny, speak Jake, idiot. My Cousin Vinny and a ton of other movies in the 80s and 90s up till now. George loves this woman and on the show, it turns out that she's into short, stocky, balding men. That's George. George has to find a way to make it work. Elaine knows Marissa. And George is going to do anything he can to meet Marissa, even if it means giving off the illusion that he might be having an affair with on his fiance. So, George and Elaine go to the coffee shop. And they talk forever about every little detail about their conversation on a story to tell to Susan about where George is when he's meeting Marissa. It goes on and on and on and on. Another instance. George wants to get a job as a brassiere salesman. And he doesn't have references. Or really a resume. So, he makes up a company that he worked at, Vandalay Industries. I alluded to this story earlier. It's the same story where Jerry's supposed to pick up the phone and cover for George, but Kramer messes it up. Why not just say, dude, I don't want to be a bra salesman. Sorry. George wants a job. He's so dedicated to the grind life that he is going to make up Vanderlei Industries and lie about his past and his references and his work ethic. When it turns out, George has no fucking idea what he wants to do. And that is going to be the last point I make about our similarities. George and I both don't have a clue what we want to do with our lives. I think I might have an idea, and the last part of the show is going to be me talking about that. But George has no idea what he wants to do. I could be a sports writer. Yeah, those guys don't. They're not your type, George, says Jerry. And the list goes on and on and on and on and on. George just doesn't want to do anything. And, you know, there are days that I don't want to do anything. If I had a million dollars... Ten times over, a hundred times over. I would like live in my car and just travel to golf courses every day. That's all I would do. I There are days I just don't want to do anything. 
But except that's not just, you know, a few hours of the day. That's like days. Sometimes I'm just lazy. That's okay. Now, this episode is called The Bizarro Jake, right? Now, you may not be familiar with what bizarro means. It's a reference to Superman, the comic. It's his exact polar opposite. So, the bizarro Jake is not Jake. It's the opposite of Jake. Hmm? Yes. I decided to make this episode and compare, you know, Costanza, the best, in my opinion, the best sitcom character of all time. I don't want to hear about Michael Scott or any other of those fucking schmucks that people love, you know, to annoy me on their feeds with. The Office fucking stinks, okay? It doesn't stink, but is The Office, I'm going to go on the record and I'm not budging. The Office is the most overrated TV show of all time. It is one time through good. Not annoy all of your friends with quotes after quotes after quotes after quotes. It's not that funny. Get over it. I'm talking about how Costanza is and how we are similar because you do not want to be like me. You shouldn't be negative and hate your life and be convinced that the universe is out to get you. And that is why I called this episode The Bizarro Jake. I'm going against my instincts. And this is another great Costanza comparison because once George starts going against every fiber in his body to do something that George would normally do, it starts to change. George has impulses. He has tendencies. He has self-doubt. He's got all kinds of things. Self-conscious issues with himself. And he stops. And guess what happens to George? He's an assistant to the general manager of the New York Yankees. Steinbrenner loves him. One of the most underrated characters of that series, by the way, is the Larry David portrayed George Steinbrenner. And I want to make that comparison into my life. And I've taken some steps to reverse that change. So, after college, I got an insurance job. I thought it would be a good job for me, you know, personal finance. I wanted to get into financial advising or financial planning. And... The insurance company that I took this sales job with, I was able to eventually do both. I didn't want to do insurance. I had no interest in insurance. Insurance is really boring, except for life insurance, in my opinion. Couldn't care less. But I figured, why not? Give it a shot. First, it was fine. You know, I was trying, and I just wasn't picking up. wasn't building my business the way I wanted to. And it stressed me out a lot. That bled into my personal life. My personal life began to deteriorate. I wasn't working out as much. I wasn't, I don't know, I just wasn't taking care of myself and getting the right amount of sleep and exercising. And 
you know, clearing my mind and doing things to relieve stress and to better your life. I wasn't doing those things anymore. And one thing at work carried over to every facet of my life. And it took me a while to get out of that funk I was in. Because then my personal life was affecting my professional life. It's just, it was a really bad spot I was in. And then my bizarro moment came. I was just like, fuck it, I'm done. And I jumped. I quit. I didn't know what I was going to do. But I didn't care. I just knew. I had to get out of the environment I was in to better myself. And that's what I did. For the first time probably in my life that I remember anyways, I did something without worrying about what was going to happen the next day or a week from now or a month from now or a year from now. I didn't care. I just jumped. I took that. They say sometimes you have to take a leap of faith, and I did. There might be concrete down there, but hopefully I'll hit a trampoline that firefighters are holding, you know, two feet off the ground. Hopefully I hit it. I might miss, but what am I going to do? It's really funny because this is the universe hating me. The day I quit, I played golf with two buddies, and then four days later, coronavirus hit, like big time. A week after I quit, we shut down. It's like you just did something good for yourself and then something bad for you happens. But patience finally paid off for me. Got a job near my hometown. Financial financial analyst position, entry-level position. The other thing I wanted to get into, that's what I originally wanted to do after school. Then the insurance gate kind of just came up and I took it. Who knows what will happen. Keeping my place in Madison on the weekends and... Hey, we'll see. The lesson for me to you in all this is just live one day at a time. Because that's all you can do. I mean, some things you do have to plan long term. Like, I mean, went to school for finance. You got to plan retirement, your expenses, budgets, things like that. You can't just say fuck it with your money every day. Because that is a recipe to not have any the next day. You got to plan on that. But when it comes to stress, your work, your personal life, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, relationships, fuck it. Worry about that when it comes. And that's a wrap for me. Like I mentioned in the episodes before, I'm going to try to get on a Tuesday-Friday schedule. Now, I wanted my original plan was to upload the first three episodes to Apple Music or, or Apple Podcasts, iTunes, whatever. It doesn't even matter. I don't even know why I'm telling you guys this because it's not going to fucking matter to you because you're going to have all four of them by the time you hear this anyways. But I wanted to release three and then get into the groove. Well, it turns out you got to wait anywhere from one to five days for Apple to review it. 
And then once you subscribe, you get a new episode in an hour or two. So, moral of my story is rate, review, subscribe. Let's grow this thing. Let's see how many people we can get to listen to this thing. Well, maybe one day I can be famous and have a house up on the hill. I don't know. Next, I want feedback. I want suggestions. I want content contributions from you guys, the listeners. Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, Jake Sawinski 8 at J-A-K-E-S-A-W-I-N-S-K-I. Jake Sawinski 8. I'm active on there. I'll get back to you. I want content suggestions. I don't want to just talk about sports and George Costanza all the time. If there's something crazy that you want me to talk about and I'm into it, which I probably will be, I want to know about it. Let me know. And that's it. I'll see you guys. I'll see. Talk to you guys on episode five coming Tuesday. Poise. Believe it or not, George isn't at home. Please leave a message at the beep. I must be out before I pick up the phone. Where could I be? Believe it or not, I'm not home. George, pick up. I know you're screening for Allison. Hey. So, coffee shop? No, I can't. She knows I go there. It's not secure. Hey, I got another call coming in. I gotta let the machine get it. Bye. Believe it or not, George isn't at home. Please leave a message at the beep. I must be out or I'd pick up the phone. Where could I be? Believe it or not, I'm not home.